love your kids. And for our purposes today, you could insert grandchildren, nieces, nephews, godchildren into that question as well. Do you love your kids? If so, and I hope the answer is yes, uh, then what lengths would you go to in order to demonstrate that love for them? Like, would you be willing to give up the, the last piece of pizza at dinner when you still have a little rumbly going on in the tumbly because you've been seeing one of your little ones eyeing that up? Would you relinquish the remote control maybe for a half hour in the evening so that your kids can watch an episode of Paw Patrol, even if it is the bottom of the seventh? (laughs) Would you maybe work a job that you don't particularly care for? Because you know that you need that income to put food in their bellies and a roof over their heads. Would you take them on vacation to Disney World where they have been talking, whining about going for quite a while, even if you would prefer to go a thousand other places with your time off? How about this? Uh, Would you be willing to take a bullet for your child? Would you be willing even to lay down your own life for them? One more. Would you show your love for those children in your lives by bringing them to church? You know, there are all of these things that we do day in and day out to show our love for our children, right? Sometimes even expensive, painful, downright unpleasant things. There's a lot that we would do simply to to put a smile on their faces. And maybe you would even say there's just about nothing you wouldn't give up and sacrifice if it meant your child's welfare, their safety and protection. And that's why it might be a little bit hard to hear this or, or even sound a little bit unbelievable. But for as much as you love your children... There's somebody who loves them even more. God does. Jesus does. And we're going to learn more about this deep love that he has, not just for for grown-ups like like us, but, but also for those little children through our lesson today. And we're also going to see why Jesus is, in fact, the most important relationship in your child's life. Today we're going to be reading from the book of the Bible called Matthew, one of the four Gospels that records the history, the the, the words and works of Jesus. We're going to be in chapter 9. We're just going to be reading a few verses today, starting out at verse 13, which says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. You see, in that day and age, in that culture and and, and time, children were not necessarily seen as having a whole lot of value because they couldn't really contribute a whole lot to the family. They were takers, but not necessarily givers when they're very small, right? 
It was only as they started to grow up and find ways to contribute to the the benefit of the rest of the the family or the rest of the, the tribe or village that they then started to be seen as having value. And so as these parents were bringing those kids to Jesus, the disciples were really just reflecting the spirit of their time as they thought, Jesus has more important things to do than this. There are more important people for Jesus to meet with and see. And so what do the disciples do? They try to shoo them all away. But then we see Jesus' response to the flippant dismissal of those disciples in the next couple of verses. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. We have to ask the question, why why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus take the time with these little children? Understand here that this, this idea of laying his hands on them, this is a lot more than like what we might see with politicians today who are trying to seem a little more relatable to the people by kissing the heads of babies and, something, and stuff like that. This is more than like some kind of sentimental nourishment for Jesus' soul like you might see with someone today as they like, when they just glow when they start picking up a baby or playing with little kids, right? As Jesus lays his hands on these children, he is conferring a special individual blessing to them. And that's because Jesus knows that these babies, these little ones, need him desperately. It's a hard thing for us to hear, but a true thing that we need to know. It's our first key point today, which is that Jesus knows that children are sinners and thus also are subject to sin's consequences. There's a a false idea that is very popular in our society today and one that even uh, pervades many churches and the hearts of many Christians, a false idea which says that children are actually inherently innocent. And maybe one of the reasons we think this is because when they're very young, children are, are still incapable of some of the, what we see as the greater injustices in our world, maybe the greater injustices even that others have inflicted upon us during our lives. Maybe the, one of the reasons is because they don't quite have a fully formed sense of right and wrong yet. Maybe it's just because sometimes they can be so stinking cute, right? Oh, what, a, what an innocent little child. And yet... Scripture really could not speak more strongly to the opposite, right? God's word, which we uphold as truth, points out very clearly that everybody is born into sin. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. The roots of sin, the little saplings live in in every single human heart. What happens as a child grows up is that they are simply able to better express those roots of sin which have always indeed been present. And we actually see evidence of this in plain daily observation of even very small children, right? Uh, For example, a little baby does not need to be taught how to throw a horrific tantrum when she doesn't get something that she wants. 
right? Little one-year-old Susie doesn't need somebody to teach her how to play selfishly, to, to take a toy that she wants to play with, even though it was in another kid's hands. And then as little Susie grows up and, and wants a cookie right before dinner time, and mom says, no, you can't have that. We're about to, we're about to eat. Little Susie doesn't need somebody to, to teach her to swipe that cookie when mom's back is turned and then run off to the corner and gobble it down, right? She doesn't need to be taught to steal and disobey. It's right there. And then when mom catches little Susie with cookie crumbs and chocolate smeared around her lips and says, did you eat that cookie I told you not to eat? What does little Susie say? No. Nobody had to teach little Susie to lie, to try and uh, wiggle her way out of, of, of taking responsibility for, for what she did for her disobedience. No. We already know how to do these things because... That sin was passed down to us. We inherited it from our parents. And we pass it right along to our children. There's one other hard truth that we need to grapple with and and come to terms with. And it's that children are also accountable for their sin and that they are subject to the consequences of it. The worst of which is what we find here in Isaiah 59, verse 2, which says, Your iniquities, fancy word for sins, have separated you from your God. Because of sin, because every single one of us has this sinful nature, there is a deep divide like a canyon between us and God. Sinful people cannot dwell in the presence of holy God and live, and so we wind up on one side of that canyon, one side of that divide, and our holy God on the other. But that's precisely why Jesus came is to fill in that divide, to, to build the bridge across that canyon between us and God. And that's exactly why Jesus welcomes these little children into his presence on that day. Because he is also their bridge. If not... If that's not necessary, then what Jesus does here really makes no sense at all. At best, it is, in fact, a waste of his time. At worst, it's actually kind of a miscarriage of justice because it would mean that he is taking time with people who don't need him when there were thousands of other people around who did need him. Jesus himself says that he didn't come for the righteous, but for the sick. That's because Jesus also knows That the only solution to sin for anyone, including children, is him. The only solution is Jesus. You know, if you were to fast forward a few chapters in Matthew, you would find a scene unfolding during the, the proceeding of Jesus' trial, in fact, in which a group of people shouted something out that really bears a lot of irony. You see, 
after Jesus was arrested and condemned by the, the Jewish leaders, he was brought before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, for his stamp of approval on that execution that they were demanding. Pontius Pilate, though, said, I don't find any reason for this. The man is innocent of any crimes. And yet, as the people continued to push, Pilate said, do with him what you want. I am washing my hands of this, literally. I am washing my hands of this. I am calling myself innocent of any guilt here. And in Matthew 27, verse 25, we see the response of those people as they said, his blood be on us and on our children. In this, they were saying, if there is any guilt to be had here, we will gladly bring that upon ourselves. In fact, we will even put that on our kids if only it can mean we get to kill Jesus. The irony, of course, is this. That those words are exactly what we cry out today. Not in the sense that this blood brings guilt down upon us, but because we know that this blood is the only thing which removes that guilt. Not so far down the road, those same hands which blessed the little children would be nailed to a cross. There, the, the perfect blood of Jesus would run red down it. And yet in that blood of the perfectly obedient and holy Son of God, we have what we need to wash away our sins, and not just the sins of grown-ups, but the sins of the entire world, including the sins of our children. Romans 6 verse 23 summarizes this so beautifully, so, so succinctly for us, saying, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has taken away our sin upon himself and he has brought his righteousness to each and every one of us, very old and very young alike. And that means that we now can stand in God's presence. It means that his face shines down upon us. Eternal blessing belongs to us and to our children only through this blood of Jesus. And that's why the best way to love your children and the best way to show that love is by bringing them to Jesus. I think sometimes we are tempted to believe that the best way to love our children is to do things like make sure their rooms are filled with toys and that they're smiling the entire time we're on vacation. We think the best way to love our kids uh, is by making sure they're eating a balanced diet and are on all the sports teams they want to be on. And as they get a little bit older, we think the best way to love them is to make sure that they get to go to the best school and take the most AP classes so that they can get into the college of their choice and have a successful career. And don't get me wrong, these are good things. Right? They're good things that help to build strong relationships between children and their peers, between, their, between the children and their parents, you. Later on, they help to build, they, they set them up for success in later relationships in life too. They even help to build successful relationships with inanimate or abstract objects and concepts, things like work and money and, and, a, and a 
a positive self-image. But good things cannot be allowed to uproot and supplant that which is best. And that is why God gives this directive to his church, gives this directive to parents, to grandparents, to anybody who has any kind of of, of spiritual influence over any child. That directive, whether they are three months old or three years old or 30 years old, to bring those children to Jesus. By bringing them to church and Sunday school, by bringing them together for family devotions, by bringing them to the font for baptism, and then later on to the altar for the Lord's Supper. Because in doing so, you are teaching and training them to know Jesus. And He is the most important relationship that your child can have. And that is why we, as a church, That is why we as God's people proclaim to the next generation what he has done. You love your kids? I know you do. That's why you need to know and they need to know Jesus because he is the only one that they need more than anything else in this world and in this life. Amen.